When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am Madam Adams, Cindy Adams, from the New York Post. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I am just about to start my hour radio program on WABC 77 on your dial. So pay attention, because you, you can't tell, but I might become very interesting if you give me a few minutes. Let me say that just to start, I feel like doing a whole lot of stuff. It's like a, a chop suey of stuff. So I'm going to say that, first of all, did you ever hear about this skeleton who walked up to a bartender and said to the bartender, give me a Bloody Mary and a mop? Okay, I'll shut up. I'm on to other things. But that just, I thought that was funny. Ah, uh, It's September. It has been a tough month. 9-11, nobody will forget. On September 1, 1998, September, Clinton fostered the R word, retire, resign. Said was, you're okay if you leave now as a martyr. Leave as damaged goods like Nixon. It's tougher. You have to give it up now. He said, no, I am not leaving. It's not in the cards. No. That was Clinton in September 1998. On to Donald. There are ways, I am told, and have been explained to me by judges. If elected, there are ways he can pardon himself. Back to the beginning. This is how we all started before we were all fighting with one another and before America became a plaid. In 1609, Henry Hudson discovered the Isle of Manhattan. In 1620, the Mayflower left England. Twenty minutes later, so did Megan Markle. Then California got discovered. And two days later, Ryan Seacrest got on TV. Go to 1789. The Bill of Rights is ratified. Guys in Philly like Patrick Henry, George Washington, Sam Adams, John Hancock, they put together the first Continental Congress. Then L.A. got founded. And 20 minutes later, the Bill of Rights got ratified, probably personally by Joe Biden. Came 1776, British forces captured New York. Difficulty was they were trying to get cross town. Seven, September 17, 1787, the U.S. Constitution was approved 
so much happened in the month of September. By everyone except the progressives, may their tribe decrease. Everyone approved the Constitution. The progressives are still arguing about it. Come to September 13, 1788. Congress chose New York as capital of the new American government. They didn't know that it would someday reek of marijuana. Going along, 1776, September 15, British forces captured New York. Prince Harry could already smell the marijuana. We go on to September 2, 1945. Truman declared VJ Day. September 3, 1833. John Adams and Benjamin Franklin formally ended the Revolutionary War. September 24, 1957. Eisenhower had the National Guard integrate schools in Little Rock. 1690, I'm going back, September 25, was the first American newspaper. And let no smartass say my column was probably in it. And then somewhere along the line came the first presidential debate. That's Kennedy versus Nixon. And now what's lined up for us coming up is the Bronx Zoo. One presidential aide said, I can't see or hear well. A doctor in New York City said, I told you to stop drinking. A month later, the doctor repeated, I told you to stop drinking. The presidential aide said, yeah, but from what I'm seeing and hearing in the White House lately, I decided to keep it up. Hearing extremists, TV newscasters, political echoes, and cancel culture, today's kids often reject parental politics, and family dinners can become a hotbed. They used to be loving events, family dinners. They're now where fights begin. Schools now teach how to discuss politics at home, how family religion and culture shape political views, how institutions say you're un-American if you disagree, how not to fear discussing issues in one's own home at dinner, plus the methods seniors can use when juniors start to overheat. My country, tis of me, is a giant step away from teaching those three R's. Where we are going, I really don't know. Okay, in September also, we have had Fashion Week. New York, we know, is the cat's meow. The jumble I once covered in Moscow 
was the dog's poop. And I'm going to tell you about it. The fashion show I once covered in Russia was in the marbled-walled Sovietskaya concert hall. The invitees didn't wear little teeny shorts or their behinds sticking out or their bras that covered nothing. The invitees wore babushkas, sensible walking shoes, coats that were sturdy brown or gray. My parachute-shaped guide, this was her breakfast. It began with fruit water, juice, a glass of sour milk, hot kasha, which is like oatmeal, two boiled eggs, coffee, and a bun. She was eating light. She said to me, Russians find no crime being stout. We are not so lazy as Americans who fall out of bed into their automobiles. Few here own cars. We are forced to walk more. The USSR has no weaker sex. One lady swilled vodka neat. It was laced with black pepper. It was washed down with beer. I watched it. I watched her. Her English-speaking companion said to me, The trick is eating plenty of bread and butter first. Butter acts as a coating sponge. It sponges up any alcohol. Here, the penalty for drunkenness is severe. In Russia, your name is placed last on the list for an apartment if you're found drunk. Really? I wonder what they do about vodka. Then I went to the fashion show. There were women who swam in Sochi, the resort. They backstroked in bra and panties because there were few swimsuits to purchase. One hot item showed a brocade evening gown plus matching coat with fur, hem, and cuffs. One item only. I am told these will be mass-produced, intoned the directress. So I asked how many will be mass-produced. She said, Twelve. They come with any accessory? I asked like with a hat or bag or matching shoes or schmata? No, she said. They just come as is. Understand, we are not talking any Dolly Parton look here. The textile center model said to me, I own two suits, two coats, one with a matching skirt. When they wear out, I replace them, not before. Understand, we are talking at a fashion show in Moscow. This textile center model said to me she herself craved something light, pink. She said, we haven't such color. Also what I would like if I had a choice, an eyebrow pencil of foreign manufacture which doesn't irritate an eyelid. 
My own guide wanted all my cosmetics. No cracks on how many I brought with me. And we agreed to meet secretly later at three o'clock alone, just the two of us, on Kutuzovsky Prospect, where I was to empty all that I brought with me. I waited for her for over an hour. She never showed, and I never saw or heard from her again. Gums, the state-owned department store, had empty shelves, said the directress to me, with our revolutions, there is much to do for the state. Glamour industries are still new. Yeah, really? Like I hadn't noticed that myself. Seeing pens in our pocket, one comrade muttered, that's the best thing America could have brought Russia. Later, beads of sweat formed on his brow, and perspiration wasn't from the fashions. He was alone. He kept clutching one of the pens I'd given him in both hands. Listen, I'm finished with the fashion shows, but I want to do one more thing. Besides fashion shows, we have also had dog shows here. My newcomer owners have learned ladies should think like husbands if you own a dog. Give him toilet training. Let him out once in a while. Keep him on a long leash. Besides, really, what more could anyone want in a warm bed? My Yorkie already has a trainer, a groomer, a walker, a routine, a license, a vet, a collar, a leash, a diet, a cashmere sweater, a rabies shot, his own shampoo, and he is just one foot long. I tell you the truth, I think maybe it's time to take a station break. And then if you're really nice to me, I will come back directly afterwards. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Madam Adams, Cindy Adams. I am in the New York Post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and have been since George Washington began. And right now I'm about to talk to a really super guy. His name is Attorney Mark Garagos. We all know that name. He has had clients like Winona Ryder, Michael Jackson, Colin Kaepernick, etc., etc., etc. Born in Los Angeles, earned his bachelor's degree in 1979, State Bar of California, admitted 1983. Okay, so tell me now, why are laws changing yearly, and how do lawyers keep up? 
Well, I'll tell you, the not only is law changing yearly and lawyers have a hard time keeping up. In fact, you see a lot of these. And by the way, thank you very much for that introduction. If my mother and father were alive, my uh, father would have enjoyed it. My mom would have believed it. Um, the, the, the fact is that the law has changed dramatically and uh, the I think with the culture and there's always been kind of a fascination with true crime if you will but uh, there has been a an unbelievable uh, I think exponential change in what has happened in the last couple of years with the popularity of true crime and the uh, and I think you've seen this and can attest to it the criminalization of the political process and the political realm. And I think between those two, that has kind of swamped the culture. Well, also, every time you turn on TV, it's a lawyer thing or a true crime thing. People are obsessed with crime. Uh, today, go go ahead. What what were you going to say? I was I was just going to say, take a look at the uh, the list on podcasts, for instance. Uh, the the top 100 list in uh, Apple Podcasts are generally populated overwhelmingly by true crime. You take a and as you say, you turn on the TV and all you're talking about is um, Trump is getting indicted here, uh, Biden's son is getting indicted there. The, there's an investigation of this senator. There's an investigation of that congressman. I mean, we've always had that, but now it seems to be almost wall to wall. Today, lawyers are going to the can. Can you tell me why? Aren't they supposed to be smart? Aren't they supposed to be smart enough to keep people out of the can and they are going? What is happening? Well, I've uh, represented many a lawyer uh, in the last 40 years, and I'll tell you that that's the the government will uh, come at you uh, generally without regard to who you are or what your practice is. And uh, lawyers have been convicted. Lawyers have been acquitted. One of the uh, lawyers that uh, recently was acquitted, when I say recently, it's the last couple of years, was Greg Craig, who was a former White House counsel and tried uh, the case was in Washington, D.C., and ably represented and, uh, and acquitted and and. So you will occasionally see that as well, but especially in the federal system, when the federal uh, government sets their sights on you, their conviction rate is uh, astronomical. I mean, it's in the high 90s, and very few people can withstand that kind of scrutiny. Do you believe everything a client tells you? No, I generally, I hate to say this, but generally when a client comes to me, I first tell them, I really don't want to hear the facts of your case right now. I want to see what the prosecution has got. And I say that for, a, I think, a very good reason. I don't want, clients a lot oftentimes do not understand exactly the nuances and, and exactly what they're charged with and, frankly, what their defenses are. I've had clients who will sit and not exactly be forthright with me and tell me one thing, and I'll say, well, that makes no sense because of this. And then they'll tell me a second iteration, and I'll tell them that also makes no sense. And then the third time, I, after I push back on them, they'll tell me what I believe is the truth and what they consider the truth, and it was just too mortifying or embarrassing 
for them to tell it, even though it was a complete defense. But they just wanted to shade whatever it was for the, the to avoid the shame or the embarrassment. Tell me about Jussie Smollett. I don't understand that case. Is he smart or stupid? Jesse, uh, um, I I have always been impressed with. I know that this is not a popular position to take, but he is incredibly bright, inc- incredibly intuitive. In, in spite of everything that happened through throughout his case, the first time he was prosecuted, which I handled, we got it dismissed, and we got it dismissed. I thought for a very good reason, in that the only people who were making the accusation were the people who also uh, had uh, liability in the case, the Osandario brothers. The after the dismissal, because there was such an uproar, the the uh, uh, judge involved ended up appointing a special prosecutor, Dan Webb, and yeah. Mr. Webb decided to prosecute him a second time. Well, I uh, I think I don't care who it is and. What you think of them, the fact that they've been prosecuted once in this country is double jeopardy. He forfeited a substantial amount of money. He did community service. That issue is squarely in the appellate court. They had oral arguments. I didn't handle the case the second time, but they had oral arguments this past week, and we'll see what the appellate court does with that. Well, that sounds all great, but somebody as dumb as I am, could you make it simple? What the hell are you telling us? What? Simple. What's happening to What I'm telling you is that I don't think that he was good for what he was convicted of. You mean and he was innocent I, of this? I, I, I will tell you, I have not seen anything other than the word of the brothers that would lead me to believe that this was a, um, that he was guilty. Yes. I mean, I, I, and by the way, I don't want to be, act so much like a lawyer, but the, what you have to remember, Cindy, is when you have a client, all you can base your opinion on is what, number one, what the prosecution has, what they turn over in discovery, what the client tells you. Jesse has always maintained his innocence with me, but that wouldn't be the first client who wasn't completely <laughs> yeah. forthright. Yeah. Right? I've, yeah. I've been lied to before. I, I will be lied to again. Believe but me, yeah. I, w- so. I went, through the dis- I been, went through the discovery. There was nothing in that discovery that, that, com- that I thought compelled uh, a prosecution. I have watched the Dave Chappelle uh, uh, comedy stand-up about him, and I laughed like everybody else. Uh, uh, but... At the same time, I also have seen the discovery. I know that case. We got it dismissed the first time, and I just, uh, I'm just i not convinced that there is a case against it. Okay, we're going to go on to other people, but before we go on to other people, sure. are you telling me that this guy you believe, Jesse Smollett, is totally innocent of this thing? Then how did it come about? I'm telling you that... I, I, I don't want to cut too fine a point on it, but I will tell you there was nothing compelling to my mind in the evidence against him. Uh... I'll give you a, an example. I've, I, I represented 20 years ago another case where, you know, it was somebody who was widely reviled, which was Scott Peterson. 
I will tell you that Scott, I believe to this day, and I've never seen anything to dissuade me of this, Scott was stone cold innocent. I said it during the trial. I believe it today, 20 years later. I do not think Scott was good for that case. That is a case that I lived for over a year. I tried that case. I understand the evidence, I think, better than anybody walking around. And uh, if you ask me about that, I will maintain that till the day I die unless something comes out that changes my mind. Okay, so you're going to I'm going to go on to other things, but you're going to tell me Hunter Biden is innocent, too. Is that so? No, I think Hunter Biden, I will tell you what I think about Hunter Biden. I yeah, think go Hunter ahead. Biden, go ahead. I'm if flexible. He, if Hunter had a different last name, this would not have been a brouhaha. I know people find that hard to believe, but generally, and I've tried tax cases, in fact, huge tax cases, the, um, they generally would have probably given a very similar deal on the tax counts to what they gave him. The gun count was unusual, and now he's been indicted on that. It was unusual for a number of reasons. Number one, it's, they, they basically gave him a diversion or a deferred entry and on the gun. And for those who aren't in the weeds, basically what happened is they, he got a gun, um, or he had a gun an application for a gun on it. He answered a question that said he was not addicted. Now, I will tell you, number one, that yeah, is they all prosecuted. Yeah, they all do that. Yeah, that is, okay. Yeah, they rarely prosecute him, but number two, I'm not so sure that legally, given where the U.S. Supreme Court has been on gun rights, I'm not so sure that that's a valid, that that's a valid prosecution constitutionally when you've got a Second Amendment right uh, and whether you're disabled, whether your mental addiction will have, make you forfeit your constitutional right. Listen, I'm going to start calling you St. Garagos, for God's sakes. I mean, I'm listening to you. Everybody is innocent so far listening to you. To you, to you. Everyone, listen I've to me. I've had my share. I, Cindy, I've had my share of clients who were good for their for their case. But you know what? You generally don't hear about them because either you work out a, a plea agreement, you find them a soft place to land, and you move on. I mean, that's a, that's a, it doesn't have the titillation that, that some of these other cases do. But generally, the, the, the great thing about the criminal justice system, for the most part, I mean, it is at this point, I, I always say it's irretrievably broken, but for the most part, it you know jurors generally get it right. Okay, you can before you tell me that OJ was totally innocent, in which case I'm going to hang up on you. Before you tell me that, are you somebody who agrees with a Colin Kaepernick? Yes, I do. I, I Ugh. Colin Ugh. Kaepernick. Well, whatever I, the hell his I name is. I do agree with Colin. Yes, well, Colin Kaepernick, I will tell you, I've, uh, I couldn't be more impressed with him. I understand that he's a lightning rod. I get the fact that he, uh, that, that his stance, so to speak, uh, uh, affected people. But I will tell you, I did the depositions of the team owners. I did the deposition of the commissioner. I did the deposition of others who were involved in that case. I Unfortunately, I'm somewhat circumspect because a lot of that was um, under a gag order, which, by the way, the NFL has threatened me with or threatened me in the past with. So I'm somewhat limited. But I'll tell you, based on the facts as I know them, I think he was right. And I, 
I don't think the case would have been resolved. And, by the way, an independent arbitrator said there was enough evidence there to take it to an arbitration hearing, and they settled after that. So far, I haven't found anybody you think is guilty, any of your clients. There's probably nobody well, so I far. Will, well, my clients, you haven't <laughs> asked me for any, you haven't asked me about a client that I entered a plea with. So, uh, Well, uh, who's a client you entered problem. a plea with? I don't know that they would necessarily want me exposing them. Oh, you're you just a the, rotten on this, person. Uh, <laughs> on your well-traveled uh, interview. But I will tell you, there are clients that I've represented who are, who are good for it and yes. good for uh, yes, their, sure. yes. whatever they've been accused with. They're probably dead. Okay. So in high but Speaking <laughs> of OJ, can I tell you something about OJ? I hated uh, OJ. I covered on, that trial. I covered okay. that trial. Did you cover both the criminal and the civil? I covered the whole thing. If you're going to tell me that so, he's an angel. So for the criminal, yeah. now, I'm going to tell you for the criminal case, clearly, because it's beyond a reasonable doubt, I don't think the prosecution proved it. For the civil case that Dan Petricelli, that could have made his mark as a lawyer when he was the plaintiff suing O.J., because it's a lower standard, and because he had O.J. on the stand, and because he was able to impeach him badly, I think the jurors in both cases got it right. I think he, the finding him civilly liable was the right result. I think finding him criminally not responsible was the right result. Aye. All right. I'm going to try to <laughs> overcome all of this. In high profile. All of this, I know. <laughs> in high, pro, in high profile. I mean, well, what? tell what? me something, though. What? What? Tell me something, Cindy. What? I mean, let me, you covered OJ. Yeah, I certainly did, if, yes. If I were to tell you it's not OJ, but it's a criminal case, and it's the 90s, and I'm charging an African-American male in yeah. Los Angeles, in the criminal courts building. He's downtown, innocent. Okay, I got it. I got it. African-American yeah, male. I got it. Post-Rodney King, yeah. not guilty all day long when I've got a detective who's basically perjured himself. Okay, but you're not supposed to be asking me questions. I'm asking you. It's different. I'm We're fascinated. <laughs> I've been a big fan of yours for years, so I'm fascinated to ask you questions. <laughs> In high pro, this might be the last time you'll have the opportunity. The way you're talking to me, in high-profile cases, what is the way for a lawyer as important as you and as well known as you? What's the way to handle the added pressure from the media, from all the hordes of people, from the cameras? How do you do that? I will tell you that it's the, the there's so many downsides to high-profile cases. Number one. If they, the the kind of the sunlight or transparency freezes everybody involved, from the prosecutor to the judge to the jurors. The uh, you get you get decisions and results that are distorted, and you get inundated with having to bat down stories on a daily basis, hourly basis, by the minute, because the clients generally in high-profile cases are divided between those that are famous and those that are infamous. Those yeah. that are famous. You get a presumption of innocence. Those that are infamous, who are reviled, you get a presumption of guilt. And you have to understand that. And you have to act accordingly. And it's a every time I do one of these, uh, what I call a supersize or a high profile case and handle it, I swear to myself, never again. But uh, it's like a siren song. Isn't it also like 
not I'm, I don't mean you. I know you're terrific. We all know you, you're terrific. But isn't it sort of an exciting thing for a lawyer, an attorney, to get a high-profile case like that? Don't they get off on it? Absolutely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Anybody who says otherwise is, is not telling the truth. And, and once you go through it, uh, it uh, there's, a, there's a certain, I suppose, adrenaline rush to it. You know, Larry King used to say that high-profile cases to a lawyer are the ultimate uh, kind of high, so to speak. And I think that there's something to that. Um, how, how does a Michael Jackson just walk into your office? How does that happen? You know, back then in the, the, that was a confluence of factors. Johnny Cochran had, had already given up after Diddy's case in the year roughly 2000. You, you may remember he his last criminal trial was with Ben Brofman yeah. uh, in New York and trying Diddy's case where they got him acquitted. He had already, before that, said he was not going to try criminal cases anymore. Uh, Johnny then had uh, kind of recruited me to handle Michael, and I was on that case for, I don't know, 18 months prior to the prosecutor ever uh, filing charges or executing the search warrant. And it was it was something, visiting Neverland, talking with him. The, uh, the whole experience was something because anybody of my vintage and my age, he was an iconic figure. That's true. Can I tell you a little story? Back in the old days, a thousand years ago. Back in the old days, a thousand years ago, forget whether he was good or bad. There was a guy called Roy Cohn. Unfortunately, and for a long lot of reasons, I knew him very, very well. One day I went up to his law office, which was on the second floor of his home on the East 60s. Law books, these fabulous bound law books were open scattered on the floor these precious volumes and I said Roy how can you do this these are the God protected law books and he said I don't care just give me the judge that's what he told me well, you realize that you know this better than anybody. Roy Cohn, for those who don't know, was was kind of vaulted into the public uh, consciousness during the McCarthy hearings, and then he became a lawyer for a brash real estate developer yes, yes, in yes. New York, who then Roy Cohn took ill, and that brash real estate developer has been looking for the successor to Roy Cohn ever since. I know that, and that's how AKA, I met the brash, the brash and- guy. <laughs> yes. I know that. Yes. A.K.A. A.K.A. The, yes. uh, the erstwhile president maybe soon to be again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I met him with Roy a long time ago. But that's like another conversation we can have. Um, back to the Michael Jackson. How do you determine? I don't mean to. Well, I do mean to. How do you determine what to charge a Michael Jackson? Uh, the, I have kind of a Robin Hood practice or I have, have had, especially when it comes to criminal, there are certain criminal cases that I'll take and I'll do pro bono if they interest me. And I'm fortunate that I've got the resources and ability to do that. And and if the client can pay, I charge them full freight tax and service charge. And that's, 
kind of the and when they balk I tell them well what my father who was my partner for many years used to say is pay me a flat fee up front and you'll cry only once <laughs> that's good don't tell me you said that to a Michael Jackson I absolutely did so uh, but there's a there's a story there too uh, involving him and the late uh, Ed Bradley but that's the subject of a different uh, go ahead I'm not going anywhere I'm not going any place tell me tell me tell me <laughs> go ahead tell me tell me so I I uh, I don't want to breach any confidentiality, yeah, so you'll we just know. have we to wait until the next time we talk. Yes. Oh, you're a rotten, rotten lawyer. Okay. Tell me one thing about Winona Ryder. What wasn't she? Wasn't she taking things illegally? No, I always felt uh, that Winona, by the way, was uh, was delightful and is delightful. I haven't seen her in years, but uh, I was I was just so impressed with um, her intelligence and her sense of humor and, and their, her emotion. And obviously, she's one of the most talented actresses around. Uh, but it's been, you know, the I, it's kind of interesting with that case. I always thought that case got an undue amount of attention because, as you might remember, I had another client who was in the crosshairs back then, probably the previous years, the year named Gary Condit. Gary was embroiled in the Chandra Levy mess, yeah. and that was kind of a daily, daily fodder for the axis of evil, which is kind of cable news at night and the, day, the morning shows and back then People Magazine. And then that story was knocked off by 9-11. Then 9-11 was wall-to-wall in that same uh, series of things, September, October, November, until Winona's case. And Winona's case is the thing that kind of stopped the breathless coverage of 9-11, which is ironic, I suppose, because you had something that couldn't have been more serious, which was 9-11 and that massive loss of life and the horrific nature of how it changed everything. And then you have this uh, supposed shoplifting case of the century, and it couldn't have been a more minor uh, offense or charge, and that just became wall-to-wall at the time. Well, everybody, everybody is innocent when I speak to you. Everybody is innocent. There's not a guilty person between here and China. So far, listening to you, every single person alive was innocent. I keep telling you, find find somebody who I've entered a plea, and I'm happy to talk to you. Forget about it. William, I'm listening to you. Just tell me one more thing before I get sick of this. Tell me what about today's Giuliani? What is going to happen to him? Boy, I will tell you what I I was watching somebody who done a poll on him just for because you know he's I'm sure at his age and given his career he's thought about his legacy and I think I saw something from 76 to 16 percent a 60 point drop in the way people had viewed him and he's had his license impacted and now he's got his potentially his liberty impact that it's just been a, a massive fall from grace. I, I, I just, I don't know how it happened. I, I don't know him and it's, I, I know you know him and I don't know if you can give some insight to people who are listening. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but almost it's almost morbid to me. 
Could you handle his case? I had told somebody that if he was not charged in the state court in Georgia, if he had been federally charged or if it was in California, I rarely will take a state court case out of uh, where I'm licensed. Very rare. I'll do federal cases anywhere, but state court cases, I tend, I tend to think you need to know the, the, the local culture and you need to know the local uh, kind of rules inside out. Even if you've got a good local counsel, it's still a struggle. And, but it's a fascinating case to me. It's a fascinating case, that indictment in Georgia, because you've got so many of the 19 defendants are lawyers who are giving legal advice. So John Eastman, who's a California lawyer, is being prosecuted here in California right now by the state bar. The state bar is trying to take his license besides having – the fight of his life in Georgia. Here, they're trying to revoke his license for giving basically advice and whether that advice was within the bounds of legal ethics. And that's also a fascinating issue to me. I think today's lawyers all can relate because most of them have also been in jail. Listen, I, I loved talking to you. I, I, don't, I don't have a case that I need you for yet, but Keep in touch, okay? <laughs> Thank it's you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for reaching out. It was my pleasure. I loved it. Thank you, honey. Bye. Hey, cousins, get those ears ready to listen to Cousin Brucey's Scrap. It's stories from my life right here on Music Radio 77 WABC. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Don't go anywhere. Don't have a sandwich. Listen to me. I am back. I have a lot of little junk I want to tell you. First of all, I just heard about a 3.5 million year old skull that was just discovered in southern Africa. That suggests an earlier species of human skull that was discovered in prim than primitive man, earlier than we had anticipated. Archaeologists agree they see no other way to explain our current Democratic president. I just thought that I would mention that because it is in my thinking. I will now go on to other things. Did anybody know that de Blasio, who is now dismarried, he has been on summer break from teaching at NYU? But in the classroom, one day, I happened to know, he let his phone ring. He looked at it for a moment. Then he announced to the class that it was an important politician calling him. But he said to the class, he will ignore the call for the class. Okay, believe it, it was probably a wrong number, because that's what de Blasio was. More information I'm going to give you. Matt Lauer attended Southampton's animal shelter thing. He was minus a lady friend. He has been seen lately, always solo. Though I was away, be it known, no creatures can hide from Madam Adams. Listen, I, it's the end of the summer for me, and I have an assortment of a lot of little things I want to talk about. I'm like a living hors d'oeuvre tonight. Not only in New York, kids, are they asking 
Biden, Biden, how much you hiding? It's coming from everywhere. So now I'm going to tell you something else. Today's current fashion surgery is the upper eye. Pay attention. Everybody does the nose. Everybody does the chin. Everybody does the cheeks. So shove your chin and your neck and your nose. Forget the forehead, the upper arm, and the lower behind. Comes now the big thing is upper eye blepharoplasty. If, if, if that's not how you pronounce it, who cares? Blepharoplasty. That's fat removed from your eyelids. The eye then looks bigger, lighter, younger. It gives the bright eyes effect and zero visible scars since the incision's done under the eyelid. That's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you because it's starting to be fall and everybody's getting facelifts and everybody's getting hairs done and everybody wants to good, look good in September. We're coming up to a lot of holidays, the fall season, high season. It's after the holidays, but before autumn's social swirl. This way, it's a nice healing time. So I'm telling you. And I want to, I don't know why, but I just feel I have an itch to say a word about Fauci. Fauci didn't know the pandemic began in Wuhan. Wuhan didn't even know who Fauci was. However, a clinical statistician has just now unraveled its beginning. It seems a Tasmanian wombat has been observed attacking its young. Reason? They haven't called or written lately. So forget Fauci. It was a wombat who didn't write his mother, and that's how it all came about. Being awash in Brit royalty as we are, there's me, 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 Megan, and Prince Empty's memory of his late mother. Know that Guernsey has had the collection photographed, all the jewelry, plus the permission to sell some pieces of the prince's mother, plus a massive catalog of jewels known as the Diana, Princess of Wales, Swan Lake Suite. The crown jeweler's necklace, in case you're interested in buying it, because Christmas is coming up, the crown jeweler's necklace was five huge matching South Sea pearls, 14 marquee diamonds, 42 carats worth of 164 additional diamonds. This was worn to the opening of the ballet in Royal Albert Hall, the date June 3, 1997. I am just letting you all know, in case coming up you want to buy something for your beloved for Thanksgiving or even Halloween. It comes with a letter of authentication signed by the crown jeweler, plus the blessing of Lady Diana's sister, whose name is Lady Sarah McCorkadale. It is written on Kensington Palace stationery. The suite has since 
been sold privately, but there are some pieces available if you're rushing to get them. Now, being Princess Kate was just seen schlepping an Hermes clutch, be it known that Megan Nobody Markle now itches to be the face or behind of a luxury clutch company, a luxury clothing company that makes clutches, bags. So who would you rather wear your brand, England's future queen or California's permanent zero? Which brings me for absolutely no reason, because I want to, to Florida. I'm tired of people going to Florida. Florida has a 6% inflation rate. It's double the national average. People can't get anywhere. It requires homeowner insurance, and several such companies have exited the state, which can provide that at prohibitive cost. Homeowners can't get the insurance they need. Plus, rich folk now fight over diminished housing supply. Alligator country is becoming unaffordable. Those rich folk people who don't need a mortgage are fighting over a diminished housing supply. It is driving up housing costs and making Florida the least affordable place to live in the U.S., if you already have a mortgage and want home insurance, the state will now provide it, but at a prohibitive cost. Most Florida residents are simply praying that there is no continued hurricane this season or that DeSantis gets lost in an Iowa cornfield. Wait, wait, I want to tell you something else. DeSantis is scratching, as we know, toward the presidency. He has made New York a prototype of disintegration as his state's COVID deaths remain unrecorded. Why are they unrecorded in Florida? Because the deceased were not Florida residents. DeSantis made his tripe in decrease, may not recall that the COVID tracking project lists Florida as one week average of 8.5 per million New York. Up DeSantis. Now I could go on, but I think maybe you've probably had enough of me. I'm not saying I've had enough of you, but it's time for me for a cup of coffee. So I'm going to say I thank you. I love you. I'm so glad you listened to me. Please write me letters and tell me if you like me. If you don't like me, don't write me. And I will be on next Sunday at the same time. Loving all of you. Thank you. This is Cindy Adams saying goodbye.